This is the Empowered Spirituality Podcast, the podcast about inclusive spirituality. Empowered Spirituality is all about connecting and aligning to your own higher self. All religions, spiritual practices and beliefs, sexual orientations, gender identities and expressions are welcomed and celebrated here. I am your host, Samantha Nagel, owner of and coach at Empowered Spirituality, LLC. Every Wednesday, I will share a guided meditation practice, and every Thursday, I will share inspirational teachings or interviews with people with different spiritual practices, beliefs, and opinions. Come every week with an open mind, taking what you like and leaving the rest. Welcome to Empowered Spirituality. As I began the journey of shifting my career to a job that aligned with my values and beliefs, having an education in health coaching has been transformational. Through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, you can become a certified health coach to empower your relationship with food, health, and wellness, live your dreams, earn while you learn, and embark on a new path. Join the global community of like-minded change agents who are here to empower, inspire, and motivate you to create the life you've always dreamed of by clicking the link in the show notes. And by doing so, you'll receive $2,000 off tuition when you pay in full or $1,500 off tuition if you choose the payment plan option. Or you can mention my name, Samantha Nagel, spelled N-A-G-E-L. Discover how to take a holistic and nourishing approach to health and wellness today. Hello and welcome to Empowered Spirituality. My name is Samantha Nagel. Today I will be interviewing Bonnie Bigheart. Bonnie, she, her, has worked in youth residential psychiatric programs for 16 years in four different states and four different programs. She has also spent most of her life on a personal healing journey. The last six years have been spent doing intense spiritual and trauma work. She currently offers intuitive healing. In this episode, we talk about trauma, intuition, creativity, and way more. I do want to provide a trigger warning for suicide. We don't get into this topic very deeply, but it is mentioned pretty briefly. So check out this interview with Bonnie Bigheart. I know you're going to love her as much as I did, and I'm going to have to have her back because there's so much more to cover. Enjoy. All right. Hi, Bonnie. Thank you so much for joining today. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Me too. I'm so glad to have you. Um, so my first question is to just tell us about yourself, who you are, what you're passionate about, your hobbies. Yeah, so, um, well, my name is Bonnie Bigheart, um, and I have worked in youth mental health, residential psychiatric for 16 years um, in four different states, in four different programs, and it's kind of something I have dedicated my career to. Um, I recently kind of stop doing that to push into other things. But um, yeah, some of my hobbies include, um, I love learning. So I do a lot of research, which sounds so lame, but it's true. <laughs> I, I research a lot. Um, I also enjoy art, just art in general, making, creating art. Um, and, you know, I, I love music. So music is a huge hobby of mine. I consider just, just like listening to music to be a hobby. And um, yeah, tarot and reading cards is also another hobby. Ooh, wow, thank you. You're such a dynamic whole person. <laughs> we see a little dog. <laughs> oh. um, this is so Zelda. Zelda? Zelda, yeah. Oh, oh so sweet. <laughs> um, so that's a long time, 16 years. What drew you to that kind of work? Well, it's kind of funny because when I first started in the field, I, 
I literally did not like kids. Um, I didn't want to work with kids. I didn't even want my own kids, nothing to do with kids. I just took it because I needed a job. And very quickly, I fell in love with it. I had a friend that worked in, in a program in Iowa. And I just, you know, I kind of fell into it. And I literally like there was nothing else in my life that felt right. I, I've done other things and I've invested time into other stuff, but it just I always went back to residential and it is hard. It's hard, <laughs> but I loved it. I loved it so much. Wow. So what did you like about it? I think the thing that I enjoyed the most about it would be definitely the kids. 100% hands down really? kids. They're, yeah, they're so fun. Like they're so funny and they're resilient and mm. I like I, they are the greatest teachers, to be honest, like I've learned more of the most valuable things in life from children than I have from pretty much anyone. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I think my, one of my favorite things was just like being able to myself personally, like get into um, a childlike, you know, role and do a lot of hands-on fun stuff with them and like really just do creative things with them and I love teaching them things and just like imagination play was really fun so um, that really you know that that made up for all the terribleness <laughs> <laughs> oh wow that's so interesting that you did not like kids at all and then you grew to like kids so much so much yeah, oh. yeah. You mentioned that kids are resilient, and I'm wondering what resiliency means to you. Well, I would say that the vast majority of the children that I've worked through with throughout the last 16 years have been like from extremely abusive homes or mm. extreme poverty, a lot of generational traumas. So the fact that these kids come from you know, these types of environments and still every day find a reason to laugh or be silly or have yeah. fun or try to play pranks. Like they, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is they have really, really hard lives and it is represented in their behaviors. So there's always a flip yeah. side of it, but to see them fight through those battles every single day and still like want to try, that's, it's beautiful. Yeah. That yeah. is beautiful. You mentioned there's a lot of lessons we can learn from children. Do you include resiliency in that list as well? 100%. 100%. Yeah. I, I think that, yeah, especially, you know, kids are, are so, like, they're so smart and they learn so quickly and they apply that yeah a lot quicker than we realize and they and they work through these things so that is how they maintain resiliency and that is such a valuable lesson that we need to pick up from them yeah. Yeah. oh totally I think one lesson I'm really getting over and over is that we tend to think especially as adult humans that we're um like above children or above even animals or the earth and what I'm really realizing is we can learn from children, we can learn from our dogs, we can just learn from looking out the window. So I think that's so great you were able to realize that. Oh, absolutely. 100%. You were spot on with that. I love that because that, I mean, if we're, my thing is like, if we're always looking for, you know, areas to learn, first of all, there'll never be, there'll never be anything to learn, like stop learning, yeah. you know, <laughs> everything is infinite. So, you know, like just having the mentality of everyone's a teacher or everything is a teacher is, mm. you know, really important for sure. Yes. Always being a student. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. You mentioned one of your hobbies is learning. What do you yeah. feel like you're learning now? Um, well, recently, uh, spiritually, spiritually, my journey illuminated that I need to work on my communication. Mm. So um, I'm learning a lot of lessons in, in, in how to communicate more effectively. Um, and then uh, another like lesson that I think I'm learning overall is slowing down. Mm. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> 
I know, especially we live in an over system of capitalism and like go, go, go and produce, produce, produce. Slowing down is really hard to do. Yes, 100%. It really is. And, and we're constantly just, you know, everything is distracting and, and we're all, you know, from everywhere, mm, everywhere. Yes. So it is it is hard to to really slow down and, and also appreciate that I can slow down because mm, some people yeah. have no choice to but to keep go, 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 you know, so. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. good point. Um, I want to come back to that, but um, you said that when you said that you felt illuminated or that something was illuminated for you. And I thought that was such a beautiful word. So I really like that. Um, and you mentioned communication. Uh, so I'm curious what kind of lessons you're learning about communication. Oh, well, since, um, since I am from uh, the Midwest, culturally, our communication style, I think, is just different in general. There's a lot mm. of influence from um, Eastern cultures, and it's more back and forth and kind of like interjecting and interrupting kind of thing. And it's like yeah. stories back and forth, whereas where I'm at now, it, it is much different, um, which is great. And, and it's just giving me, an, you know, a, a new challenge. But uh, it's very much like one person talks, says what they need to mm, yeah. slow down, absorb, then respond, which is also great. You know, it's so great. It's just different and it's not what I'm used to. So mm. I'm learning how to engage in a different way. My friend um, made it a point recently, a good way to do that is to ask questions. And so I've been really challenging myself to ask better questions. So that, that's been helpful. <laughs> Well, that is a lesson that keeps coming up too, is that I'm asking questions in like my spiritual journey and also with people that don't have real answers. Like I'm asking, is this bad? Is this good? Are you good? Do you feel good? Are you feeling bad? Like, and that's just not the right question to ask. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and, be, and I think for me, when, when I hear that, my immediate thought is that so, um, it's so black and white, you know, so yeah. that it, it, it elicits a very black and white response, which means there's not going to be very depth, much depth to it. And that yes. isn't always conducive for trying to build communication or relationships. You know what I mean? But yeah, asking questions is so important. Like it's how you yeah. ask it. Like, you know, you could say, um, you know, just, are you feeling good? But like, how are you feeling positively? You know, something. I, see, I'm still working on it. You know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's beautiful, though. I really yeah, like so that. <laughs> so your um your residential community was a community, and you keep coming back to community. So, it, and you're talking about building community with your communication, and something that community is really important for you. Yes, absolutely. I would, I would say that, I would say that um, finding a tribe or a community or just like a close knit group of people has always been really important to me, just because of my own experiences in life and the, you know, various traumas that I've experienced, but also like, I understand from, um, and like anth anthropology, standpoint community and village is really important for people so I, I just you know like I, I really think that you know changing bigger things starts smaller with like a good strong healthy community you know and I think yes. that's important <laughs> yeah I yeah. love that bigger things start smaller I love that yeah yeah thank you <laughs> you're welcome um so I've mentioned this to guests before it's really hard to find friendships or community when you're an adult, especially when you're an adult that can't really like go out places during a pandemic. Um, do you have any maybe advice on how to build that community or even how you've built community in the past? Man, it, it is, gosh, that is such a fascinating conversation because so many things culturally have happened in one year's time that impacts everything yeah. um, how, 
previously would meet new people and make friends is just immerse myself in the culture and and find you know find people but since I haven't been able to do that I've I've tried online and um that's hard it's hard it's really hard so you know like all I can say is like you know just keep trying like you know it's it's really hard currently even just as with the normal circumstances of making friends as an adult but then add on to it all the other things you know it's so hard but to just keep trying because that is the also the flip side of it that's the benefit is that technology has also evolved with um you know pandemic so people are able to communicate more on social platforms so maybe friendship has changed a little bit in that regard so yeah (laughs) that's really interesting and i was even thinking about it like usually if you're going to meet a new friend maybe you'd go to a movie or something where you have an activity to focus on but now we can't really do that so we have to connect and we have to talk because there's nothing else to really do virtually. <laughs> yeah. And and personally, that's how I've always connected with people. That's my preference. I don't personally like doing activities. I, I get really like distracted from the person. And that's yeah. why I want to like spend time is like to know the person and like hang out with them and just discuss life and the richness. So I've been really grateful that I just like, I've been meeting all these people online, talking to them, just getting to know them. But but then like, you know, when you translate into real life, how do you make real in-life connections mm. with people? That, mm. That's a whole different hurdle that I'm still working on because pandemic, but I'm hoping to get there. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it when things are quote unquote normal again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so your website, or you offer intuitive healing. I'm really curious about what that means and what that means to you. Yeah, so all of my years of experience working in mental health, it gave me a a particular insight into um, just people, I guess, in general, and the struggle that we go through. Um, And then also, as I like started getting in touch with my spirituality, I like started physically feeling things in my body and like getting intuitive messages and so I basically decided that I was going to pair the two um and so it's like intellectually taking all of the years of knowledge and experience from learning trauma-informed care and how that applies into the work I did but also pairing that with like tarot and oracle decks and um just like channeling I guess channeling messages So yeah, that it's, it's truly all encompassing. I can't even quantify like one specific thing. It's not just Reiki because sometimes I do energy readings and it's not just card readings. I also do like candle work where I'll, I'll meditate with um, a candle on whatever for an extended period of time. So it's just really like whatever I literally intuitively feel called to do. Like, um, I've, I've had a client where I did um, more Reiki and uh, EMDR type shadow work stuff. And then, um, you know, I had another client where I just did just tarot. So it's just whatever, whatever yeah. I feel like is going to work best for the client to keep them engaged or get them to the next step. Wow. Yeah. I love that. Wow. I want to talk so much about this. Um, and I want to start with intuition. What yeah. is intuition to you? Oh man, that's such a good question because it's it's so difficult but it's so easy because it's like that's yeah. our voice. It, it is our guiding force that it is always there. It's always telling us. It's you know it's it's like a feeling you get literally in the pit of your stomach, like not in a mm. negative pit of your stomach, but like. It's just that feeling that's it's that but it's hard to discern at times especially if you come from trauma knowing you know this is 
this is my intuition and this is my trauma response. So mm. discerning that has been, has been really crucial in, in, a, in healing. So, yes. Yeah. Wow. That's a really great point. So how do, how do you kind of do the work of parsing out the trauma response versus the intuition voice? <sighs> yeah. So it, my therapist um, actually had a really a, a good like a good little saying or a phrase or something, but it's it's you you cannot go forward without going back. So I I did a lot of um, like reprocessing or of my of my traumatic memories. Yeah and um, connected that emotionally and physically with feelings I was having in my body and then allowing myself to discern, am I right now feeling triggered, getting a physical emotional response or am I actually getting a message um, based on all of my knowledge and experience in life that's telling me yeah. this isn't good, this is why I need to move on. You know, and that's, it, it really is hard, but what, when you do the work, it, it like, it's like a switch like this and you yeah. just see, you know what I mean? Like, that's the only way I can describe it. It really is like, yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you. So when you say do the work, is that shadow work? Yeah. So I use the word either trauma work or shadow work to me, they're interchangeable, but it's basically just going inside in yourself and understanding why you do everything you do every every single thing <laughs> and, it, yeah. and it gets really deep and really really complex because we are humans we're complicated and and it starts at birth like in utero you know and and it goes all the way until we're now where we're at in our life now so there's a lot to unpack <laughs> there's a lot to unload <laughs> you know yes. yeah yeah. Wow. Thank you for saying that. I think we hear like, do the work and then no one tells us how. So we're like, well, how do I yeah. do that? And I like, I'm really hearing that you have to go back kind of re not relive, but just re process what you've already lived through, how that made you feel then and how that makes you feel now. And yes. then once you've kind of dug through that, in the moment you can say, is this a trigger from this old feeling or is it something new or something else? Is that yeah. kind of a correct 100%, yeah, that's, thank you. Yeah, that was that was exactly it. And and it is hard. Like, I, I think that, you know, toxic positivity comes up a lot for a reason because it, it really takes away from the fact that doing shadow work, trauma work, inner, any type of inner work is yeah. hard. And, and we like that needs to be stated because people yeah. will go all gung ho into doing all this like, yeah, I'm going to change my whole life. I'm going to be a whole new person. And that's fantastic. And I encourage that. Yeah. But it also needs to be noted that it's hard and it is a lot. It's a lot. It's a whole, yes. whole lifetime, your whole lifetime. And then, you know, plus on top of that, generationally, you know, the things you have to heal generationally from epigenetics so it's a lot thank you for saying that about toxic positivity I when I first started learning about the law of attraction I was like well I can only feel good always or else bad things are going to happen in my life and that is toxic and it's not that I don't believe in the law of attraction but it's that saying it like that is so simple and that is how it's packaged sometimes yes that that's such a good point. It's so simple. Yeah, because the fact is, is like, there is always duality. So yes, there is really positive, positive things, but also on the exact opposite side of that, there is yeah. terrible things, you know, and we cannot, we cannot say one without the other. We just like, that's yeah. unhealthy. That's unrealistic. And that's living in delusion, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It yeah. is living in delusion. I think it yeah. was, I mean, I'm sure lots of people have said this, but I'm thinking of Carl Jung and him saying, you can't have the light without the dark. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And that's not to say having a positive mindset isn't helpful. Mm. 
you know, having optimism and, and being hopeful and, and looking, you know, looking at better things, but you got to ground right. yourself in reality, you know, <laughs> like you really do. That's so important. <laughs> yeah. It's a fine line. And I wonder if part of the line is you can have that positive mindset about yourself and it's toxic when you're like, you're fine and kind of imposing that mindset almost unconsensually on someone else. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, very, very good. Like, very good point. Unconsensually. Yeah, I, I've been like, that's a thing that I, I'm, I'm trying to um, figure out how to convey is that while I am being as positive and optimistic as possible, I, I, I don't want to take away from the weight that things are difficult. Life is hard mm. in general yeah. for every person. It, every person will experience difficulties. It, it doesn't matter. Like it's just what version of difficulty a person experiences. So it's hard because, you know, you want to just be like, yeah, all the time, but that's not, you know, it's just not real life. <laughs> yeah and you might even burn out from being that way all the time absolutely absolutely it's gonna creep up on you yep yeah <laughs> yep and that's yeah that is ultimately not not helpful for anyone anyone no you know yeah. yeah do you have any advice for how to hold that duality of wow this sucks and also I want to be happy like how how do you go about doing that Oh, that's been, that's been such a journey. Um, I, you know, the, the, the quote unquote simple answer, which it's really not simple. It's just in, when you hear it, it sounds simple is right. changing my internal dialogue. So my thoughts, um, I, you know, before maybe my thoughts were really, um, defeatist and self-deprecating and immediately right out the gate going to tell me why I can't do something. Um, and then just trying to flip it and, and, you know, instead of starting out from that space, you know, trying to push forward in a more positive mindset <clears throat> in general, but um, yeah. <laughs> yes. I like that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And that is um, maybe a more accurate depiction of the law of attraction than we kind of see simplified maybe on Instagram or something um, yeah. where it's not like it's your fault because I think it can be very victim blaming if we don't understand the law of attraction. But it is true that when you think bad things about yourself, yes, then you believe bad things about yourself. It's, yes. it's like a, a yeah, what you believe comes true. Mm -hmm. And and also what it, it is also it also reflects the world you see around you as well. Mm, yes. So totally. if you're you know if you have really negative poor thoughts about yourself, you also view the the world that way too and so that is already a mindset for either staying where you're at and the world staying where it's at so that's like immediately one step to hopelessness you know like mm, yeah and you know it's like and and it sounds so crazy like oh change your thoughts but it, like honestly I literally put post-it notes all over my house like positive things like yeah you're safe or um you know take some deep breaths or you know whatever like trying to change all these thought patterns in my in my head because it, it really truly is true and it's helpful but it's it's hard it's really hard <laughs> Sure. It is really hard. And I, I like that you put post-its up. I think yeah. for me, I'll write down the negative thought and then I'll do, I think it's uh, Katie Byron. Is that the woman who does the work? And she says like, is it true? Is it really true? What would it be like if it wasn't true? And doing that every time a negative thought comes up was the first yes. thing that I had to do. That's a good, that is a really good exercise for sure. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, have you found it time. to be helpful? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I. It was really eye-opening to see how many negative or fearful thoughts I was having every hour, every day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow. How do you like? How do you feel like that um, has improved? Mm, I think so, but it's important to note that they come back if oh. you're not diligent and on top of them 
you think it's gone and then they pop right back and you're like, where did you come from? Yes, that is very, yes, 100%, 100%. I, I literally keep thinking to myself, like, I don't know, obviously, we're always on a healing journey, but I really wonder, will I ever stop getting like, say, suicidal ideation? You know, like, it's not necessarily yeah. thoughts of I want to kill myself, but it's like, oh, I just, I don't even want to be here anymore. Like, will that ever go away? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, is that, will my, my brain eventually eradicate that neural pathway? I hope so. But who knows? Yeah. Who knows? You know? Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. I really think that it's so common for people to have those thoughts of like, I don't want to kill myself. I just don't really want to be alive right now. And we yeah. don't talk about them because suicide is a big, scary uh, concept and no one wants to say it and everyone feels shame about it. Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think mental health in general um, has a lot of stigma. We're doing much better than we ever have collectively in acknowledging yeah. mental health, but it's still long ways to go, obviously. But yeah, there is, it's hard, it's hard to acknowledge and accept and own, you know, these struggles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of on the same note, you mentioned that when you worked in those residential programs for so long, you learned a lot about mental health and you learned a lot of lessons. Um, can you share more of maybe the lessons that you learned in those facilities? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think one, um, and this is right now a, a huge message I've been getting is how important the Maslow hierarchy of needs is. Um, and with the very big importance of the, in the inclusion of love, mm. um, I, I really learned that throughout my career, like kids can, again, they're so resilient, but one set of loving eyes can dramatically alter their, their whole entire outcome in life. And, and having, having a roof over their head, a safe environment, food in their belly, and the ability to just like live and be cared and loved, you know, mm -hmm. is, really profound it it's so important um yeah yeah <laughs> that wow, would that's beautiful. that would be the one thing and then yeah and then the other thing is how um how urgent uh information regarding trauma mm -hmm. needs to be mm -hmm. like put out there as everywhere um and i i'm finding that using the word trauma isn't necessarily the word i should be using um, I think I think maybe I should be using uh, a different word to communicate this because factually, culturally, we have collective trauma. That right mm. away is one thing that is you know right out the gate. Every all of us have suffered from that, so that's just collective trauma. Um, yeah. But then individually, um, we're we're really missing huge important part of trauma that's not even talked about and that's emotional and physical neglect or emotional mm. and uh, emotional abuse and neglect yeah. yes yeah wow that's a really great point and there's like uh maybe capital t trauma those big events like a car crash or something traumatic happening to you but then there's those everyday mini traumas where you were abandoned emotionally in little ways over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I think that collectively, culturally, societally, whatever word we want to use, mm -hmm. we have a lot of compound traumas mm -hmm. because of, I could go into for days about the various like reasons. Um, there's a lot of socioeconomic factors, you know, um, and industrial revolution plays into it, like the evolution of the family systems. There's so many things involved in it, but basically, you know, when it comes down to it, a lot of families were not healthy, were not 
you know, yeah. we're not safe. And, and it was never talked about. And, and that has never been acknowledged. So, excuse me, we're at a point now where it is becoming more vocal and we're acknowledging these things more. So I, anyways, I went off on a whole thing there, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't apologize. That was all so <laughs> valuable. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned that the community you were in was very trauma-informed and you use trauma-informed work in your own work. Um, and then you mentioned that we need to be talking about trauma or whatever we want to call it more often. Um, I guess, what do you have to say on trauma-informed care? What does that look like for you? Well, I guess I'll, I'll use a really, um, like, there are seven, there are seven core principles of trauma-informed care and um, I can't, I should know it, but I, I don't off the top of my head. I do remember some key ones though. And one of them that always stands out to me is choice. Um, and, and it's like that one word alone goes into so much emotional abuse mm. that, um, you know, like, so like having choice in, in a trauma-informed care system, you eliminate a lot of emotional abuse. An example mm. of choice would be what food a person wants to eat. You know, an example of choice yeah. is if a, a, a kid wants to um, read a book or play outside allowing them to have that choice. People in general need to feel safe to make choices. And like, there are so many aspects of trauma-informed care that I think are really important. Um, you know, uh, giving voice, people need to have a voice and a say in what, you know, in their own autonomy, basically having autonomy and the ability mm. to speak up for themselves and, and take ownership for themselves and what they need and want. and you know, trustworthiness and on both sides of the equation. There's just so many things about mm -hmm. it that, you know, not just being knowledgeable on trauma, but the, you know, the core of what it is, is just, it's a different approach to health, I think, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, that, that goes back to listening to your intuition too, it sounds like. <clears throat> 100%. Yes, it is definitely more intuitive. And um, actually, whenever I interview in residential programs, the way I describe the way I work with the children is it's very intuitive. Because mm. it is, I mean, I really draw from within myself, I put myself in a child's shoes all the time, whenever, because, you know, it's, how would they feel with the limited information? How would anybody feel experiencing mental health issues in you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that really like intuitively drawing on other people and their energy and, and how, you know, just that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And that you mentioned doing trauma work in your own self. I'm curious if you have any advice for someone who is starting that, that journey of trauma work or shadow work or inner child work. Yeah, um, make sure you have very strong grounding and um, uh, yeah, very strong grounding skills or the ability to snap yourself out of dissociation quickly. Um, that's super important. Uh, and, and being able to ride the emotional wave um, before mm. you do trauma work. So it's a lot, it's a lot of steps that are involved. So really familiarizing yourself with emotional intelligence in general is really helpful. But um, being able to ground is, if you can do that, like no problem. If you're triggered and you can ground quick like that, you can do trauma work for sure. Mm, yeah, you, you said writing the emotional wave. What does that mean? <clears throat> um, so, I guess it, I, I don't know where the phrase is coined from, possibly from DBT, um, but it's basically where, you know, all, 
all waves or all emotions come like a wave. It doesn't matter what kind it is. Mm -hmm. It comes where it's its peak intensity and then it goes back down to the status quo. And even if your status quo is anxiety here, you'll still have peaks, right? <laughs> but, yes. but it's like understanding and knowing that here you are, you're gonna go up, but just as much as you're gonna go up, you're gonna come back down eventually. It can't stay there forever. It really can't. So, so knowing that, that helps, that's so helpful. And just, and it's a practice. So you really have to literally, when you're in crisis, ride that emotional wave no don't judge yourself like if you're hysterically crying and like no i gotta stop i yeah. gotta stop no ride it cry it do it <laughs> and you'll stop you'll naturally stop you know oh great point and if you resist that anxiety or panic it's gonna come and it's gonna come stronger yes <laughs> absolutely oh absolutely and that makes me think of what we were saying about the misunderstandings of the law of attraction, um, thinking that when you're up, like you always have to be up, you always have to be good, but we do ride in waves and emotions do come in waves and we're not always good. That's right, absolutely. That honestly, um, uh, one of the res programs, or actually it was an intensive outpatient um, par partial hospitalization program, um, they did, uh, dialectical behavior therapy. And, and so learning about riding that wave was, mm. it, it was like a, a switch for me. It helped me so much to understand in a different way. Um, it was just a, a, a good key. I don't know. It was just something that unlocked something for me that really helped because I personally, I think DBT is one of the better, um, uh, therapy modules. I, I think it's really good. It, it talks a lot about, um, you know, walking the middle path or finding balance or it has a lot of really good stuff. I highly recommend that too, to anybody. Yeah. Oh, wow. So when you are trying to find a therapist, whether it's DBT or something else or a coach or a healer, what would you suggest someone look for? 100% always trauma-informed without without a doubt um if they don't have that at the core the odds are is you're still going to continue going back into therapy over and over mm -hmm. and over again for the same thing but it looks different right yeah <laughs> yeah so always that's my first one and then my second thing would be if you can find a therapist that can do either like emdr or um mm. uh there's like tapping that's another good one. Or DBT. Uh, if you have, if you are cognizant of your extensive trauma or have insight to your own traumas, know that you have trauma, um, then, you know, definitely EMDR. Um, and let's see what, what else? Oh, uh, I do not recommend CBT for talk therapy. Mm. Or How come? Um, for people who have like extensive trauma um, or just, you know, have compound trauma, talking about trauma is difficult um, and it's not even necessary mm. to heal, um, but it's hard for people to verbalize the things that they have been through because maybe for one example they when they experienced the trauma they didn't have the verbal ability mm. anyway or the emotional intelligence or there's like there's a whole bunch of reasons but yeah 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 <laughs> wow that is really great advice thank you and i think i can see that looking back over my own therapy journey i did start with that very traditional talk therapy and not that that's bad but I just didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know yet. <laughs> so yeah. I couldn't verbalize what was going on. So I just didn't know about it really. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I, same here. I started, I mean, I started out doing regular old talk therapy. I tried several times and I'm like, I don't understand this should be working. I should be feeling yeah. better, you know? And again, like after all of the years of experience doing trauma work and reading the book, the body keeps the score. That's really good too. Um, 
after doing that, like I really began to understand why it wasn't working. And that's because none of my therapists were trauma-informed. And mm. the first therapist I had that was trauma-informed, I'm not kidding. Like I've never experienced anything so amazing in my life. I changed from being in 24 status seven status quo of anxiety, panic attacks to like never within wow. yeah. three months. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, I'm so happy for you too. It's, it's truly like, it's truly insane. Um, yeah. Just the, all of the things that the human mind can do, you know, but, but, ha, ha, you know, if I wish I would have known that doing talk therapy and CBT is really not helpful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I know. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and so I'm really curious to kind of pivot just a little bit about self-care, both for yourself and then self-care as someone who works with clients because I think it's really easy to get burned out and not care about yourself when you're constantly listening to other people. Yeah, um, well, I think to me, honestly, self-care starts at shadow root work um, mm. because what has been marketed as self-care um, is often really difficult to do because it's actually a response. For example, like eating, like not eating right, or, you know, eating enough or vegetables or whatever. It's also, you know, what we've been taught. That's part of it too. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, just self-care in general is so, such a big, you know, thing. But I, I think just one, one thing, just doing one thing, just mm. any one thing each day, even if it's like literally just getting out of bed, just walking to your couch, yeah. you know, if, especially during the pandemic, if you can't leave your house, if you are in your bed most of the time, make it a point to go into your living room, you know, that's mm, self-care. Yeah. Um, you know, self-care is, is about really like literally caring about yourself. Like how I think of it as reparenting, I guess, you know? Mm, yeah treating ourselves like we sh a parent would treat a child and taking care of all aspects of ourselves and yeah anyway sorry <laughs> don't be sorry wow that was really special and you're right self-care is both treated as like it's always candles and it's always a bath which like I love a bath and I love yeah. candles <laughs> but it's not as it's not always as aesthetically pleasing as maybe we're led to believe and it's also not as marketable as we're led to believe. No, like the no. self self-care. Absolutely. Actually, I think most of my self-care was free, if I'm being honest. Mm, like because yeah. it's all in here. Like, I mean, we can we can be talk about like eating right and bathing and all of that stuff, but I wasn't able to do that efficiently until I freed up the space space in my brain. You know, I I, I just couldn't, I literally couldn't yeah. quantify like how to figure out how to even eat right. You know, I could, it just was too much. It was too overwhelming. So yeah, <laughs> I just, but yeah. as far as when working in the field though, that's, mm -hmm. that is different because it's, it's hard because you, you are bringing on, um, <clears throat> outside. It's not your, your own. So yeah that is take time off always take time off i don't care call out i don't care just if you yeah. wake up and you're like oh i just am not feeling it today call out they'll your clients will still be there tomorrow yeah. they'll still need you you know but are, yeah. are you need them to need you at your best or when you're completely depleted you know yeah um, and, you know, honestly, my last job didn't agree with that mentality so much, but I, I try to practice what I preach. And, yeah. you know, if, if, if you're not having it, don't have it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I like that. That yeah. is really special to 
to know that you want to do that work for other people, but knowing that you have to do the work on yourself before you can really help someone else. And you don't have to be healed and perfect and enlightened, but you have to be grounded or present to do that work for someone else. Absolutely. And, and honestly, like a lot of people go into the, in the, um, helping field, um, factually, and, and they also need them the self help themselves. So I'm being one of those yeah. people, you know, um, but is I, you know, that's, what's great about working in, in the field is that it gives you new tools to be able to do the work yourself. So you can continue being a great helper and caregiver. And, and, you know, as long as you can set boundaries and care for yourself and just take breaks as many as you need, go as slow as you need, you know, honor yourself through the whole process. That's because working with other humans in general, doesn't matter. The profession is hard. Yeah. You know? And then you add the element of helping others. It gets so much more difficult. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And that goes back to what you were saying about the lessons you've learned about slowing down. That can also be applied in your work too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. um, I'm wondering if you have anything to say about boundaries. That's what's really coming for me now that you have to set those energetic boundaries, boundaries around your time. What do you think about that? Oh yeah, boundaries. I. It's funny because I like to consider myself a very fluid, flowy type person. I don't like restraints. I don't like control. I don't like schedules. Yeah. I don't like routine and rigidity. But also what I realized with that was I lacked some boundaries. Mm. And in and, and work particular, I would give a lot of myself. Like I give a lot of my time, my money, my energy, my thought even outside yeah. of work, you know? So what I realized um, is that one, when I'm not at work, I'm no longer doing work. That right mm, out the gate yeah. was, and then two, you know, just giving voice to, I am stressed out. I'm hard, is hard, is tiring, you know, all of that. So that's, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's so hard to set those boundaries. And that's really what a parent would do for their child is say, yeah, you're stressed out. Yeah, you're tired. How can we nurture you? How can we have you rest and sleep and get better? Yeah, and that's hard. And that, you know, ugh, reparenting. Oof, uh, that's pretty doozy. I tell you, if you if you grow up <laughs> without parents or or not very good parents or you know, whatever, and you have to reparent yourself, learning that is hard. It's really yeah. hard. Um, you know, a lot of us are over givers of, of a lot of ourselves, a lot of aspects of ourselves in the caregiving or, you know, in the field at all. Like that's, yeah. And, and so it's hard to reparent and, and look at things kind of almost objectively. It's kind of looking at it from like out here, like, mm -hmm okay, if you were someone else that I really cared about, how, what would, what would you need? You know, like, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. It is really hard. Um, a theme for me this year and last year has been to witness. And I, that's what I view that as, is taking a step back and just witnessing myself and being like, hmm, I wonder what I need right now. And I see that this is going on. Or even when you're doing that work with someone else, you're not there to fix them or do the work for them. You're just there to witness them. Sometimes that's all I like they really that. need. I really like that a lot. Yeah, I, that's really good. Yeah, witnessing. That's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I'm going to pivot a little bit again. Um, on your website, you mentioned creativity a lot. And so I'm curious about what that means to you and your personal life, your healing, and then how you, you work with others. Yeah, so um, creativity literally is life. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's so, so that's why it's such, it's, it's literally everything, like everything we do yeah. is creativity. Um, so it, it, it involves actual art, like, or, um, you know, like making, whether it's painting, sculpting, 
Dadaism, which is collaging and, you know, which is really good for PTSD, by the way, if, hmm. you know, if you're feeling stuck, start collaging. It'll just, your brain will process whatever it needs to, to help you get through something. You, it's amazing. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, art has a way of just healing us we just heal uh, and we don't again we don't have to talk about it and, and it's another just another really helpful tool to get us from point a to b and and it really is you know it's it's expressive of it's so individual and expressive for each person so there's no right or wrong way to do it so using creativity to express some of the hardest things is so deeply healing and i think that's really important because um as kids culturally we've been told not to do creative things and funding has gotten cut for creative endeavors so a lot of us have lost that as a, he a healing tool and yeah. think of it as a i need to be good at it type of thing or you know when really it's just a way to just naturally work through whatever and I also use creativity to apply um, in using energy. And um, like, for example, like Reiki or, yeah. um, you know, just when I start channeling uh, and yeah. So I use that word with intention because I, I create energy. I create, you know, whatever, whatever it is that needs to be expressed creatively it's literally all it yeah. is <laughs> and that's listening to your intuition too is coming up with those creative ideas or anything that's creative that's intuition yeah yeah absolutely um, i love that Thank um you. and that makes me think of kind of what we touched on in the very beginning with capitalism and just the really ingrained capitalism we often don't think that our art or our cre creativity is worth it unless we can profit off of it exactly and and that is sad it's so sad because each person each person is creative every yes. single human being has the ability to be creative in anything it could be literally growing plants it could be painting it could be sculpting it could be writing a song a story a movie it could be you know it literally anything it could be building a software program i mean the, the possibilities are endless yeah <laughs> you know? how you do your hair how you make your dinner exactly. how you set up your desk exactly it's all creativity uh, and yes, each of us have it. And when and when we try to suppress it, then that's when we start fitting into that capitalist mold, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. I remember a friend told me, well, I'm not really a creative person. And she meant that like she doesn't paint or draw or sing or something like the very stereotypical creativity stuff. And I remember thinking, I don't think that's true. So I'm glad we're having this talk about what creativity really is. Yes, I yes. Uh, here, there we go. Um, it's really, it's really just like, what do you create in your life? Do you create really beautiful meals that you enjoy to eat with your family? Is that your creative expression? You know, whatever it is, it's 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 individual because, like when I when I envisioned um, my what I the things that I would be offering to people. Um, when I use that word creativity or creative, I even thought food into it because a lot of people need help with their diets and food yeah. is a good way to be creative because you get to try different things and you learn a skill as well. And yeah, so. <laughs> I like that. And I bet it's um, healing in a way too, to kind of use your hands and, and create something. Yeah, that's so nourishing yes. for your own body. Very, very much reparenting, very intuitive, very creative. It all ties together. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of us don't know how to cook because we were, yeah. we grew up in a time period where we just didn't have, you know, that yeah. as an option to be taught how to cook. So yes, you know, totally. that, that's another good thing. And also I, I really enjoy cooking in the creative element of it that I like best is using herbs and as magic. And, oh, yes. and so I, I like to, you know, 
it feels like a ritual and it feels like I'm, I'm like energetically, whatever herbs I pick is like, I'm working on a spell or a potion and it yeah. feels good and taking care of myself. And so it'd be really, you know, awesome to integrate all these types of creative skills with people. Oh, yeah. thank you for sharing that. I love the idea of really blessing your food in that ritualized way. That sounds really beautiful and really healing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it is. Uh, it, I hated cooking. I still hate cooking. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> but when I do that, it makes me like it. <laughs> I can tolerate it. But I yeah, it's, it's, you know, fun to, fun to, you know, just talk about those kind of things. And like, um, mm. for example, every single morning I put cinnamon in my coffee and, uh, and I'll always stir it like clockwise. It's just a good start to the day, good protection, yeah. protection and prosperity. So I just like to put that in there. Yeah. Just, oh, cool. And does clockwise mean something? Um, I mean, there's, yeah, it's like, like opening or, you know, just like setting forward momentum, I guess that way, that's the way I view it. I don't necessarily subscribe to all the um, intricate details of things like that. It's an energe intuitive, energetic thing. So um, I do it because it feels like that is heading forward. The energy I need to go forward, I need protection to move forward, I need prosperity, yeah. That is so interesting. Thank you. Um, my next question is, what would you tell your younger self knowing all that you do now? I would tell my younger self, find a trauma therapist immediately. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that would have saved me probably um, like 20 years worth of yeah. struggle. Yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. And then kind of on the other end, what do you hope to learn from your future self? Really hope to learn how to build a comprehensive mental health community accessible mm. to everyone for free. I love that. Is that one of your main goals right now? That is. That is. I'm at the very beginning stages of it, but uh, that's, I, I always think big vision, big picture. So that's where it is the end goal, but yeah. Wow, that is beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and I guess the last question is, what does empowered spirituality mean to you? That is, that is a really good question. I think that, um, what helped me feel empowered in my spirituality was learning, was the choice, was the ability to choose, this resonates with me, this doesn't, this feels oppressive, this doesn't. And when, when I was able to weed through all of the things that like I was fed throughout my whole life and all of the things that didn't feel good and I was able to really sit and like listen to my intuition and what I felt most drawn to, um, that made me feel most empowered. That made me actually feel the most empowered to call myself a witch. Um, and, and I'd okay. never done that before in my life. But I, I, when I finally started like, you know, doing that, like if I felt empowered and that to me is, you know, doing your, making your own choice, doing your own research, going to what you are drawn to is what is most empowering. Yeah. Cause there's no right or wrong answer. Nobody really even knows, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so true. Oh, thank you. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add before we go? Oh, geez. No, I mean, I really thank you so much. Um, I, I feel like I got lost a lot in my head. So I hope, I hope this was good. And I really had such a great time, you know, like everything has been really wonderful. Thank you. Mm, thank you. Uh, I feel like I could just maybe talk for another three hours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hey, anytime you want to do this, I'm always down. Like I have, yes, I'm sure we both have so many things we could talk about. <laughs> Absolutely. 
and where can people find you and how can they work with you? Um, so yeah, you, you can find me on basically all social media platforms as Bonnie Bigheart um, and my website, bonniebigheart.com. Um, and yeah, that's a Gmail, Bonnie Bigheart or Bigheart Bonnie. Uh, but basically that's me. Uh, and if that's how you contact me, yeah. Awesome. And I'll share a link to that in the notes as well. Wonderful, thank you. Awesome, well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so honored and I know everyone is going to just feel so blessed to hear your wise words. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time so much. This was lovely. It was. Thank you so much for tuning in to Empowered Spirituality. Visit empoweredspirituality.online to see my own blog posts or to work with me. Follow me on Instagram at empowered.spirituality. If you'd like to join the weekly meditation circle, which happens every Sunday, you can follow the link in my bio. And same with becoming a patron. Um, if you like this episode, please rate it five stars and maybe even leave a review. And if you're interested to learn more about Bonnie, you can follow her on Instagram at bonniebakeheart or visit Bonnie's website to work with her and learn even more about her. Her website is bonniebakeheart.com. Thanks for tuning in. Namaste. challenging to find a community of supportive people to share in our spiritual journeys with. We all need support and love no matter where we are on our personal journeys. So I am excited to announce that I have created the space for just that. In the Empowered Spirituality community, you will receive a weekly video lesson, weekly journaling prompts, access to an additional guided meditation every week, monthly group meetings and teachings via Zoom, and access to a loving and supportive online community. Additionally, all members will receive 20% off of all of their coaching sessions. You can follow the link in the show notes for this community offer or visit patreon.com slash empoweredspirituality.